Let it down Don't hold it in this better round Darkness looking like bad weather clouds It can stop me cause I'm heaven bound I feel better now On the highway lord I'm heaven bound Are you ready? Where are you going? Are you ready? Knock it out And welcome back to another episode of Broken Records Ministries I'm Mike and we are joined tonight with the bully Ronnie, Solo, SpongeBob, <laughs> well, hello, Fruity Mike. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Silent Ron, I am here. Chrome Dome Mike, how you doing? The Bearded Wonder Will, a new edition. Yep, yep. <laughs> And always bringing us back down to earth, our ever constant real finder, the Professor Carl. Shikamu. There you go. That's how they say hi to old people in Swahili. <laughs> well, I didn't understand. I bet yeah. so. How do you so how do you spell that? What I what I want to know. Everybody else gets like a cut down, like a short little barb, and then Carl gets this grandiose. I know. Yeah, and yeah. the thing yeah. is, because you're the And the thing is, it's all done with sarcasm until he gets to Carl and he's yeah. like, hey Carl. And he's all serious, yeah. What's up with that? Take two if you'd like. I I, I don't want to. Oh, no, no, no. Carl? Oh, one take. We don't have a clap. No way. Well, on tonight's topic, the roundtable guys are going to discuss comfortable, being comfortable in your faith and what that means and how it can be a distraction or it can help you. I don't think there's any help in that, but that's what we're going to talk about tonight. So we're going to start that off. Uh, This was my topic idea, so I should have something to say first, but I don't. Um, I'm going to throw it over to... uh, Carl to open it up for us because he's always right on cue. No, I'm not opening. <laughs> uh, the narrator opens. The narrator better have well, The narrator is going to change it. This actually, this idea came to me because I don't remember why it came to me. <laughs> Just being honest, I think. I think a lot of us are comfortable being just where we are in our faith and not pressing in and moving forward. It's easy for us to stay right where we are and not stretch, not do the things we should do because it's uncomfortable or people look at us strangely or think we're a special kind of crazy. So that's kind of why I came up with the idea. And I wanted to hear what you guys thought about that. So hang on before you got distracted on what you needed to say. Yeah. What's our Bible verse for tonight? Uh, see, I'm not the normal narrator. I'm being put in a spot. I never wanted to be the narrator. It's never like, wanted to be a comfort eater. zone thing, bro. Yeah. yeah. Our our Bible verse tonight is Timothy, First Timothy six eleven, and Ronnie will be reading it tonight. But she picked me, and I only that was open. <laughs> Maybe still on Psalms. What was First Timothy? What, sir? Six eleven. Six eleven. Not seven eleven six eleven, because there is no seven. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will be reading from the CSB version, but you, man of God, flee from these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. So, how do you think, Ronnie? That sign kind of does that go along with our theme? You think? Yeah. So. 
tell me, you know, I could use a little more than, yeah. <laughs> okay. I'm dying over here. All right. All right. All right. The coffee, Mike. I, I feel, I'm feeling for you. Nobody's giving you anything. They're making you pull it like teeth. <laughs> well, speaking of, no, we'll leave that one alone. But anyway. I think these are great guides to go by. But as we've talked about or are going to talk about, we let little small distractions and comfort zones come before these things. For me, um, endurance and gentleness <laughs> is uh, hard for me. Endurance, sometimes I just get tired and I want to sit down. Or endurance-wise, I get in that, that comfy spot. <laughs> The recliner, if you will. And then sometimes I'm not so gentle, as obviously I got the name the bully. But we know if everybody hangs out with us, that's not true. There's a, oh, we do. I should say, what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, but seriously though, like sometimes. When I'm full fire and ready to do stuff, I'm not thinking about being gentle on how other people are going to perceive what I'm saying. I'm going to say it, and sometimes I don't have that filter of love and gentleness. Do you think that's because you're comfortable behaving that way towards people? Or is it more of an effort for you to not behave that way? Sometimes I didn't mean that as a slam. I just meant no. I know. Uh, sometimes I think it's more about not so much judging and pointing out things, but more like excitement of finding out certain rabbit hole things of Bible chapters or whatever, and then hey, guess what, Ron? You're not doing this because this is what this says, right? Or hey, Carl, guess what I learned and this and not thinking about what valley he might be in or they might be in on that particular moment that might coincide with what I just found out. So the question to you, Bob, <clears throat> is uh, how do you feel about being comfortable in the faith? How does it hinder you to go out and spread the gospel or perhaps slow you down in doing something you felt moved to go do? Are you asking me that I should be comfortable in it? No, I'm asking you your opinion on it. My opinion is you should never be comfortable. You should you should always be on alert. You should always be on guard. Like this verse here, it says, But you, man of God, flee from all this and pursue righteousness, godless, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. I'm going to ask you guys a question. We're going to try to ramp this up just a little bit. Mm, I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> In doing all this, are you boys putting yourselves on cruise control just to do this? That's a comfort. Mm. It is. Oh, boy. I don't Honestly. On cruise control. Honestly. Sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes I'll rest on my laurels and kind of be in the kicking back and, well, aren't I doing enough? Right. I mean, no, honestly, just you know. But like we, I know it's not the right answer. 
No, I, I, was, I was shaking my hand like in our group. It was your wife that I had an issue with, so the stuff coming out of her mouth, and now it's you. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, you know, the thing is, is is even pursuing God, we can get comfort. Even trying to pursue our faith, even trying to flee from something, we can still get comfort. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's why I arrived at this topic, Bob, because I I was. I've had a lot of time on my hands last month, and I've been thinking about, you know, they talk, they talk about, everyone talks about seeking God's face and his wisdom, his heart. Do we do that, or do we say the same old prayers? God, thank you for this hamburger and fries, or, you know, yeah, I could use a little of this, or I need that or the other. And, and we've become comfortable just praying what's safe to us. We've talked about dangerous prayers, but th- that's not what this is about. This is what's pray. This what, like Bob said, cruise control. It's prayer time, so I've got these ninety-two things in my head that's always there. So I'll just pull one of them out and I'll pray about that. But is that really getting to a true relationship with our Father? It is not because you know you know what comfort actually is, right? It's defeat. When you get comfort. Mm. When you're sitting there thinking that you've got everything figured out and you think that you're pursuing God and you think you're doing everything right, that other guy's already defeated you. That's what I wanted to hear because that's exactly what I arrived at. It's that it's that other voice on the other side of your head going, you know enough scripture. You don't need to read it today. You read it yesterday and the day before. Even though even not only that. Even if you think you know the scripture, you don't. And you're sitting there, you sitting there thinking that you're better than everybody else. You've already been defeated. Mm-hmm. One thing, he's already well pride up in you. Right. Are you truly looking at God then? No. All you're doing is looking at yourself. All you're doing is looking for self self satisfaction. That's the thing. A lot of a lot of a lot of people will look for self satisfaction. In everything they do, they want to look for self worth in everything that they do instead of actually looking at the truth and looking at what we're supposed to be looking at, which is focusing on God and focusing on that personal relationship with Him, allowing Him to direct our paths, not us direct His paths. If you kind of see what I'm saying, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, because that's where they veer, that's where they veer. Mm-hmm. You know, and and if we're trying to direct, if we're trying to direct God's path, you ain't going to do it anyway. Because he's the creator. He's the one. He's the one who created you. The puppet can't run the puppet master. Mm-mm. He created cruise control. He created cruise yeah. control. Exactly. The thing is, if he puts you on cruise control, it's not going to be a comfortable cruise control. Mm-mm. There's going to be some bumps. There's going to be some licks. There's going to be some stops and there's going to be some hits. But guess what? He's right there to take care of every bit of that. Carl, Carl, you brought up multiple times that in other countries, they, they expect to see the miracles of God working in this country. A lot of times we tend to, downplay or dismiss or explain away things. And I have to wonder if that's not because we're comfortable going to church on Wednesday and 
Sunday, maybe a, maybe a Bible study through the week. We have our routine. We're in, we're in our groove. This is what we do. We never grow out of that groove if we're not careful. Why don't you talk a little bit about that? How I mean, Jesus was never comfortable. You know, he slept on the ground in his ministry. He was always walking everywhere. I mean, I won't walk to the fridge if I can get somebody else to go for me. <laughs> I'm, I'm serious. So with that mindset, I think that's really where a lot of us find ourselves sometimes. It's just easier, more comfortable not to do what needs to be done. When it's not even just other countries, it's, it's a receptivity issue. Like I, you know, when I went to Philadelphia, there was receptivity to his, to his miracle working power and we saw it, but you don't see it in the churches hardly at all. It's, it's a, it's a receptivity problem. You know, the things that, the things that you see in places like that, a lot of fellow believers would look at you like you were a freak for even talking about, you know, and I think a lot of it is comfort and routine. It, it numbs you, but I'm, I have a little bit of a different, um, it's not that I disagree. I don't, but I think, I don't think comfort itself is the problem. I think a specific form of it is. I want to read something. It's from First Chronicles chapter 4, verse 9 and 10. And it's about a guy named Jabez. It's literally the only place we see this guy in all of Scripture. He's in these two verses. We never hear anything about him ever again. And it's really, the placement's really odd because this entire chapter is it's literally just listing out uh, genealogy. Most people would just skip it right over. Most people, when they get to the genealogy chapters, they just... I'm done reading that and move on to something else. That's not comfortable to read. So I think it Mm -hmm. was missed a lot. But right in the middle of this genealogy, it says this. It says, Jabez was more honored than his brothers, meaning honored by God. His mother named him Jabez and said, I gave birth to him in pain. Jabez called out to the God of Israel, if only you would bless me, extend my border, let your hand be with me. And keep me from harm so that I will not experience pain. And God honored his request. It's the only thing we know about him. That he had a rough life. He cried out to God to have an easier life. And God said, okay. It's the only thing we know. I think the reason we have that here is because I think it's showing what God's heart is for us. What his desire for us is. And what he's willing to do for us when we cry out to him with the right heart. I think comfort is not by itself the problem. Comfortable rebellion is. When we get to a place where we're comfortable in our rebellion against God, even when we give him lip service, but we're not doing what he requires of us, we become comfortable in our rebellion. That's the problem. And that problem is prevalent in the churches, but we're so blinded to it because we just think we can slather a a layer of grace over it. And it's okay if we rebel, but we never find that narrative in scripture from beginning to end. Nowhere does it, does it even imply that God is at all okay with rebelling against him? even when we claim to believe in him. Nowhere does it say that. Jesus doesn't say that. You know what I'm saying? The, the apostles don't say that. Paul doesn't say that. Nowhere do we find that in Scripture, but that's sort of what we're, what too often more comfortable churches imply to us, that it is okay to sin now. It doesn't really matter to him anymore. I'm not saying you lose your salvation when you do sin. What I'm saying, what I'm saying is he, he will chastise you and discipline that out of you. Um. I think church church is like a plane, right? Um, we find ourselves in the Western church on a plane ride in first class. 
super comfortable. We have plenty of leg room. We, we have all the amenities. We're sipping champagne, but we're refusing to pay heed to the instructions on how to properly maintain the, maintain the plane or even fill the gas tank. And, and we have this destination set before us. We have a clear, clear instruction on how to get to our destination. And the clear requirement is fill the gas tank up. To get to where you're going requires a full tank of fuel. And we say, oh, no, I don't have to do that. I'll just put three quarters in. What's going to happen? The plane will fall from the sky. The plane will fall. At some point, at some point the, the consequences for your rebellion will catch up to you. And you'll come crashing down. Um, you know, he may let you remain comfortable for a time. That doesn't mean he's okay with what you're doing. Usually that just means he's giving you what Tony Evans would call a, uh, like, like a grace period, right? Like, like when, when, when he declares judgment, but then he delays judgment, you're under grace. That, 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 that judgment deferred is when you find yourself under grace. Cause there's a difference between him declaring judgment and applying judgment. And he often gives a space in between, and often that space can be fairly comfortable because he's trying to get you to recognize what he's trying to tell you. But the closer you get to judgment, to judgment applied, the less comfortable he'll allow you to be so that you'll wake up and repent from what you're doing. I think it's really important to identify what the, his goal, because what I'm trying to say is his goal is not to make us uncomfortable. It's not his desire for us. The reason he has to make us uncomfortable is because we have a propensity to rebel and disobey him. And it's his only option to get us to pay attention to what he's trying to tell us. I'm sure the father would love it if we would just obey everything he says and he could lavish us with blessings and make us comfortable all the time and we'd still obey him perfectly. But we won't let him do that. We won't let him do that. This is an us problem, not a him problem. Mm-hmm. Sal and Ron, you've been quiet. What do you think? No, that's what I'm here for. <laughs> I don't, I don't really have nothing on this quite yet. Nothing's like popped in my head. So tag in somebody. Well, we'll, we'll keep you on the back burner then. <laughs> Chrome Dome, what do you got? Well, um, I think that uh, everybody's explanations and stuff to me sounds like we really have a lack of servant hearts. Everybody, not everybody, I'm sorry. Um, a majority of people, I would say, um, they're all about themselves. And it's, and I think one of the things that God is extremely jealous of is people overlooking his miracles and the things that he does do for him. I read or listened to an interview today of somebody that, I admired as a sports, uh, sports person talk about, he goes, it goes through the sickness and he, um, basically he has, um, the widow maker and he finds, they find out while they're going through his, uh, CT MRI, whatever it is for his heart, whatever it is, um, my wife's going to kill me cause she's a nurse and all, but, um, that they, if they found his heart has rerouted his itself so that he doesn't die. So, and that's 99% blocked. So think about that for a second. The, the, the heart, the body, God has designed this to reroute itself to make somebody maintain life and to get this fixed. Then it gets to a point where it's 99% blocked as well. So another basic two widow makers in one heart 
And what happens at the end? He gets fixed. So he has this great blessing. Does he recognize that it's from God? No. Does he give glory to God? No. It's all about the happenstance of, oh, well, it happened and I'm good now. When one of the things I sent you guys today was somebody just this last weekend, you know, an NFL sports guy that talked about his daughter who had battled through this, I, I believe it was a cancer. Um, and then she has had a couple of ep uh, episodes, a couple of uh, um, seizures, seizures. Thank you. And, um, but he's talking about, he just goes through this whole thing and he tells him, this is going to be, this is going to be long and you're not going to like where it goes. Cause he doesn't talk as, as period at all about football. And he just talks about the gift and how much, they prayed to God. God answered their prayers, did all of these things on this worldwide platform, you know, because he gave the glory to God for a miracle that happened and he wanted everybody to know about it. That's what he deserves. That's what God deserves because he's the one that's making this happen. And I think that there's just so many now, unfortunately, that see these things happen and these things happen to them and they still don't show any kind of gratitude to God. And frankly, I think it makes him mad, and rightfully so. Well, that, I think that goes right to highlight the point we're talking about tonight is most people are not comfortable standing up on the world stage like that football player did yeah. and praising God for this miracle. Right. Because people don't want to be looked at like they're crazy. Yeah. And that's, that's part of the, the trappings of being comfortable. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, what do you got over there, bearded wonder? <laughs> uh, a bit of a different view, I guess, if you want to put it that way, uh, of being comfortable. We're not called to be comfortable. Uh, there's two verbs in that uh, verse is flee and pursue. Flee from the things and repent. And then pursue. That's, I don't know where I was really going with that, but uh, there's many beautiful things that I've seen just in the 48 minutes almost that we've been sitting here of Ronnie saying, I think it's a great thing of a man to be fearless in your pursuits. It doesn't, it's not always nice. It's not always kind, but it's, it's right. We're not called to be nice to everyone. Personally, I don't think. But, but you would agree. Called, called to love. love. Thank called mm -hmm. to love. Love is not always nice. True story. Yeah. As a parent of now two, under two, it's not nice always. I love my son, but I do need to bust his butt every once and again. And all of us here mm -hmm. are parents. Mm -hmm. We'll get some emails on that, I'm sure. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. <laughs> I still love my kids. Try me. Yep. <laughs> uh, but it's the same thing with God. I would, I would love if my son just listened to me <laughs> instead of doing a backflip off of the ottoman and hurt himself. No. I wish he wouldn't do that. I have to extend that grace of understanding he needs to learn and grow, just like we need to learn and grow. We God doesn't like that we have to make make those mistakes to come back to him. He wants us to come back. I think that's a great analogy of how our Heavenly Father views us. Mm -hmm. The kid on the ottoman doing flips. Yep. 
Yeah, not, not me personally, but <laughs> and another great thing about faith is that it's we're not called to do it alone. And I see that just from your tattoo on your arm. Iron sharp sharpens iron. Mm-hmm. Proverbs 27, 27, 17, yeah. And it's a great thing for brotherhood. Mm-hmm. Great thing. It's kind of one of the reasons I got it. Actually, I got this as a gift. Uh, my arm <clears throat> from a brother at this table. Ron Williams, if y'all are wondering. <laughs> you just took my blessing. <laughs> Why? Did I got something nice? No. <laughs> I said it was love, Ron. Yeah. You did. You did. Well, no, and I think it like what you were saying is true is, you know, what's a verb? It's an action word, right? So he's calling us to action and calling us to put away the things of this world and pursue the things of me. You know, uh, we say it time and time again, but each and every one of us still have issues with it. Yeah, it's sure, every day. right in black and white or when it's really important in red. And what do we do? We still get comfortable. We still rest, like I said, I do, we rest on my laurels and, you know, miss opportunities or, or not, or, or purposely don't say something when I have an opportunity, mm-hmm. you know, cause like, like what you're talking about in the, you don't want to be that guy. You don't want to be the crazy, all of a sudden, here's the Bible thumper. Here's the, this, here's the, that, you know. God, I don't want to get to a point to see a miracle in my life and not give him praise for it. I mean, because I've seen him. I've seen him take 103 temperature off of my son, who we thought we were going to have to rush to the, you know, to the emergency room and somebody anoint him with oil and it's gone like that. I don't want to miss that. No. Ever. I don't want to miss something in my one of my brother's lives here, you know, that is a blessing like that and and not say anything or not give praise and not, you know, so I know I have to get better. And maybe I'm alone in that. I don't know. But I guarantee you're not alone. It does feel sometimes like in the body though, you can't do the right thing. Mm-hmm. Like if if you say something, it's either uh you're you're a weirdo and you're making stuff up. Yeah. Or you try to give him glory for it. It's like, well, you're just bragging. I'm bragging on him. Right. But like, it's, it's like, you're supposed to keep it secret. Yeah. Every time he, every time he acts and that's not what we're told. We're not told that when he moves in a miraculous way to keep it secret and, and, and hide it under a table. Right. You know, giving him glory means that you're proclaiming it. Yeah. And, and we're treated like villains when we do that. Yeah. It's, it's scriptural that, uh, if you're going to boast, boast about him. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. Um, no, there's no, there's no such thing as, as bragging on God. Yeah. All you're doing is praising him. And I'd like to just point out a, a very good example of that, which was brother Ronnie this weekend, because I think probably one of the last people that I would say something in, in, in any shape or form that may sound condescending or anything like that would be my pastor. And our pastor had said something to him about, thank you guys for coming out and doing this. And he just said, it's not about you. You you know what I mean? And that can be taken so many different ways. Obviously, knowing our pastor, we know that's not the case. (laughs) You know what I mean? We know he wouldn't. Opportunity bully, obviously. But it's one of those things to where I think even pastors need to be reminded sometimes that there are some people that may sit there every Sunday and you think they don't get it. They need to be reminded they do. 
they know what it's about. It's not about him being up there and being put on a pedestal. And just because he's the one that God's using as a vessel to preach to us, he, you know, he needs to know that the ones that are in the weeds doing this, this stuff, get it and get what it's there for. I heard somebody say, I was listening to something this past week that church need to be, church needs to be treated as if it's a hospital Mm -hmm. that people come there for spiritual Emotional healing. Yep. But for that to happen, you've got to step out of your comfort zone. The laying on of hands, the anointing with oil. Traditions. Mm -hmm. Traditions. That's what we've got to get away from. Yeah. I'm like, well, I don't know where I'm going with this. I just threw that out there. No, I mean. Thank you, Bearded Wonder. It all goes, I think it all goes hand in hand. I mean, the... If you stick with traditions, where are we at now because of traditions? You know what I mean? I'm at an all-time low of believers. You know, 40-something percent right now. Yeah. Let alone, I would say, ones that are really active and for, you know, to go with our preacher saying, charging hell with a water pistol, you know, even less of those and stuff, you know, so what do we have to do? We have to cause a revolution like they did in the seventies, you know, we saw the movie and everything, you know, but need that Jesus revolution. We need to come back. And, you know, Ron had said while we were downtown, you know, what if all of these people that were down here for this, what if it just busted out into a revolution just for Jesus? What about, what if all of these people just on this road, Turn back to God. Be a beautiful thing. Yeah. But people are going to stay in their comfort zone. Yeah. And I mean, again, we're as guilty as anybody about it. Right. So we have to break out of our own. No, I'm because I'm with you, you know, break out of our own as well as try to get anybody and everybody we can to break out of theirs as well. Because the world has put the message out there. These are your guidelines. This is how you're supposed to behave. This is what you're supposed to want. This is what you're supposed to do. Yep. It's in direct contradiction to the word of God in our Bible. It's not yep. even just the world, it's the Western church. Mm-hmm. The Western church has built entire theologies around why it is, why it's okay for us to take a Sharpie to half of our Bible. Mm-hmm. And it's very uncomfortable to step out of that line and say, no, this is what God says. I'm going to obey that. You get made uncomfortable, not just by the world, but by fellow believers when you do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Everybody around this table the round table. Oh, the A side. Yeah, go ahead, Ronnie. <laughs> was uncomfortable their first episode that they were on. Oh, yeah. I was pretty good. Some more mm-hmm. than others. Well, I, <laughs> well we can check tape. <laughs> we can check tape. <laughs> but I'm saying, like, and I'm on top for Carl, but Carl was super uncomfortable to come, and he was comfortable where he was at. Bob was super uncomfortable. He was comfortable with us and talking with us, but super uncomfortable coming here Mm -hmm. to talk about it. So it was wrong. I didn't even talk. Yeah. How do you think I got signed? I mean, don't, I mean, Mike and I, oh, yeah. Like it was COVID. I was super uncomfortable being left to my own devices without talking or seeing somebody else face to face. Yeah. So then that was like the, Hey, I'm going to sneak over to your house. <laughs> We're going to talk, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you know, well, that's, that's and, and I think some of that, 
all of us, whether it's a little thimble, whether it's a full cup, whether it's 16 ounces, that to pursue that, you're going in the right direction. You're pursuing it. You're not standing still. You're not on cruise control and just idling. You're pursuing what you know he wants you to do. I agree. I think part of being comfortable is that people don't attend church for lots of reasons because they don't want to be made made to feel uncomfortable or they don't want to get up because they can turn on the TV and stream whatever church service they want anymore. I mean, that's nice, mind you, for homebound people, but it doesn't give you the fellowship. Doesn't give you the community. Mm -hmm. Honestly, that highlights another problem too, though, because yeah, we can, we can point the finger at people that are sitting at home watching worship services from their living room. But realistically, we've got comfortable with the idea of like Cole said, and it's been on my heart for, for a long time. We have the idea that, that biblical church, the biblical ecclesia is going to a, a room once a week, singing songs, listening to a Ted talk and then going home. That's not being the church, not mm-hmm. even close. Being the church is much more uncomfortable than that. Mm-hmm. But we want to we want to show up in person. I'm not accusing you of this. I'm just, but we want to show up in person and then point the finger at the ones that stayed home and be like, oh, you're just, you're staying home because you're comfortable. Mm-hmm. Well, you're staying behind the walls because you're comfortable. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're all guilty of that. Like we sit behind the walls. We don't, we don't want to talk to people. We don't want to have those hard, difficult conversations when the spirit presses us to, because that's hard. But that's how the church spread throughout the entire world in the first century was people stepping outside of their comfort zone and doing the doing the difficult things and not just sitting in a room. Can you imagine if Peter led the first century church and just, well, we're just, just going to rent a room here in Jerusalem, a big auditorium. <laughs> we'll just gather together privately once a week and, you know, just just live your faith out. That's you don't have to talk to anybody. You don't have to tell anybody about Jesus. Just be a good person where you work. That's all you have to do. Nothing more than that. The first century church would have died in six months. Mm-hmm. In six months, a couple of years at most. If if the church was operated like we operate it now, it would have died. One hundred percent. We've we've got to do better. We really do. And I'm. I'm it's all of us. It's everybody. It's it's not it's not it's not just us here. It's not just people on the other side of the mic. And I'm saying, you know, everybody has their own individual gifting, their own individual calling. I'm not saying everybody should go out in the street and street preach and evangelize. That's not everybody's gift. But <laughs> yeah, we'll I talk later, Mike. I to do that, so I'm I'll be. I'll stand out there with y'all. Bring y'all water. Preach <laughs> Hold the bullhorn. All I'm saying is there's more to being the church than just going to going to a gathering for one hour a week. There's so much more to it than that. We've yep. got to start living redeemed, not just being redeemed, living redeemed. Those are two different things. Yep. But that's going to cause people to have to get in the ditch. Mm-hmm. It really is. And you're going to face some people that aren't in a space to hear that. Every day. Every day. And that's multiple gonna, times a day. And that's gonna be uncomfortable. Every day. That's uncomfortable for people. Mm-hmm. Because it's uncomfortable for us. It, I was gonna exactly. say who, who's it uncomfortable for? Yeah. That's, the one that's, talking or the one that's having to talk back? Because yes. I tell you what, <laughs> the one that talks back, normally for me, 
seems like they get the blood into that because the person that they're talking to does not want to hear it. Mm. Sometimes. I'm just saying, I think comfort can be a big deterrent to growing faith. That's that's all I'm trying to say. I think we're all guilty of it at times. Because I like being home in the air conditioning. Eating what I want, do what I want, when I want. Squeak a little time in there for God. We've all been there. Mm-hmm. You know? I've checked a few boxes in my day. That's that's being comfortable. Yeah. I still check a few boxes. Oh, I didn't say I stopped. I said in the day. <laughs> in the day could have been yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess it's about time to pull the needle off the record. Final thoughts. Let's go around the table. Let's go backwards. Silent Ron, what do you got? Pass. <laughs> Wait a minute. Do up, Ronnie. <laughs> Bob, you're passing? I am. Oh. Uh. What do you got, Ronnie? Something I heard in the last 48 hours, multiple times from multiple sources. But I like the analogy of when you're weathering that storm and you reach that eye of the storm. And you know that the back half's coming. Don't push the button so you can cruise control on 70. You better start downshifting and gearing up and preparing for that tail end of the storm. Dig deeper into the Bible. Do more devotionals. Reach out more to the people that you need to reach out more to. That's what I got. Alpha Mike, what do you got? Mm. Ooh, Alpha Mike. Damn. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm calling Chrome. I thought about him. Get off his back a little bit. <laughs> kind. Um, it just keeps, com- it keeps coming to my heart. We, we got to find that servant's heart. Got to find it. We got to live it. We got to own it. We got to, we got to be it. You know, the, the church is meant, you know, meant to be for broken people. We're all broken. You know, again, the church, not religion, but the church. And I think that's where we're missing out and we're, we're letting people fall through the cracks and, uh, forgetting to even try and lift up a board to see him. I think we need to tear up the flooring and get them up, raise them up. That's a great picture, <clears throat> visual picture to see. What do you got, Will? Uh, personally, it's uh, get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Mm. Uh, First time on the episode. How about that, guys? Yeah, nice. Uh, to accept the challenge from brothers and don't be afraid to check them back. That's what brothers do. And I have two sisters, and they check me all the time. <laughs> Once not. Oh, yeah. We know. <laughs> now, finally, we'll hear from the professor. What you got, Carl? It's not finally either. Did you give yours? Who's running this show? Mm-hmm. Check them. <laughs> <laughs>
Hey, Jack him. That's right. If this yeah. doesn't work with me, it's not going to work with you. I thought I'd try it. So do you Second. want to follow, follow? Sure. Mm -hmm. Do you want to follow Carl? Why not? Mm. Turn him up, Carl. <laughs> <laughs> Can you feel the love in the room, huh? <laughs> um, I mentioned comfortable rebellion earlier. Um, I think the first response to that might be, how can I be in rebellion if I'm comfortable? And I would answer that scripture is ripe with examples of individuals that remain comfortable for a time while they were in rebellion. Um, God's not eager to bring judgment. God's not eager to bring sharp chastisement. He's eager for you to repent, and he wants you to do it the easy way. Um, I think the the second retort would be, well, how am I in rebellion? And I would I would say when you make theology an excuse to disobey him, when you say uh, in response to doing something that he calls abominable, God knows my heart. Yeah, he does. And he says that it's filled with wickedness. Um, him knowing your heart is not a good thing. When you say I'll obey him when I'm convicted by it. And then we wonder why he can't let us remain comfortable when we say I'm not going to, to obey until he convicts me about it. Why would he let you stay comfortable if you're not going to obey unless you become uncomfortable, right? I think comfort, and this is something I've been thinking about for a while, I think comfort can make us feel good about the masks that we wear. And I mean the way that we present ourselves, the version of ourselves that we present to those around us. And we use that as a way to cover up the unrighteousness as he defines it underneath. And I think where it becomes particularly dangerous is when the comfort leads us to believe that the mask is the true self. That the, or the mask we're wearing is the real us. And we ignore the ugliness underneath. We never confess it. We never repent of it because we think we're not just, we're not just deceiving the people around us into believing that we are the mask we wear. We deceive ourselves into believing it. And I just, it, it's, it's something I've been thinking about for a few days. What would happen if God just snapped his fingers and supernaturally made each of us incapable of wearing that mask anymore? What if at a spiritual level, he made it so that we were forced to portray our true heart to everyone around us? What would happen? How many pastors would topple? How many churches would crumble? How many believers would become unbelievers in the twinkling of an eye? Because their mask was taken off, they weren't allowed to wear it anymore, and the true self came out. The true self underneath that we refuse to confess, we refuse to hand over, and we refuse to acknowledge that he says, I don't accept this. I will never accept this. I think that time is coming. And I think we really need to dig into ourselves, to dig deep into our heart while we're digging deep into scripture and really identify those areas in our heart where we're holding on to things that he calls sin. We're holding on to things that he calls abominable and we're holding on to behaviors that don't make him feel at all loved by us. We're so focused on how he loves us that we completely ignore how he feels loved by us. Mm -hmm. And we've got to get better about that. We have got to acknowledge that we're wearing a mask. We all do it. We're all guilty of it. And we've got to ask him. They talk about hard prayer. 
We need to ask that hard prayer, take the mask off of me. Remove the mask. I know this is going to hurt. I know it's going to be painful, and I know I don't want to see what I know I'm going to see, but I have to. Take the mask off of me, reveal the ugliness underneath, and allow me to confess it and purge it from me. Wash me in the blood of Jesus. Make the, make the true self in me good. We've got to pray that hard prayer, and I mean now. That's all I got. Well, since I'm following Carl, I'm going to do uh, what's expedient, and that is he said everything I wanted to say. <laughs> Thank you, Carl. You're welcome. I'm going to let Ronnie close out the episode with final prayer for us. All right. Lord, thank you for allowing me to have guys in my life or just fellow like-minded believers in my life that, as Will put it, would check me when I get astray. Thank you for allowing us to do your work for you with a humble heart. allow us to see the storms coming and during those cruise control times to downshift and rev it up and get going let this episode the chaoticness of this episode be somebody's candlelight in their darkness and let them hear something positive that they need to hear see you maybe for the first time maybe for the 67th time in your name I pray amen amen Singing Gloria, Amen. Singing Gloria.